Hi, this is Dr. Meg Hayworth, holistic psychologist and nutrition strategist, and you're listening to Get Well Soon podcast series, the show that explores how to heal yourself with food and the power of the mind. This is Dr. Meg Hayworth. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We have so many great interviews for health and wellness on the series with leading health professionals like JJ Virgin on traumatic brain injuries, Joe Cross from the movie Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead on should you drink juice or not drink juice, um, Chris Wark from Crispy Cancer on what every patient needs to know about cancer, and a ton more. As a doctor of transpersonal psychology and a nutritional chef, I offer holistic wellness solutions for women who were abused as children and now have a chronic illness. Wait, what? Yes, there is a connection. The Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, the largest public health study ever done, has concluded that the early experiences of our lives have a profound effect on our physical bodies and create illnesses in them, or they can create. I should say, please go to my website at meghayworth.com and learn more. I will give you my free ebook, The 10 Steps to Overcoming the Effects of Victimization, along with the ACE quiz, Adverse Childhood Experiences quiz, to assess your risk for future disease, and a recipe book because food is medicine that supports the body to heal itself. So, speaking of food, today's guest is one that I have just been dying to. I mean, living to talk to. <laughs> Today we have two real foodies having a discussion, an honest conversation about what is honestly in our food supply. So Dr. David Friedman is the award-winning number one national best-selling author of Food Sanity. He's a doctor of naturopathy, clinical nutritionist, and chiropractic neurologist. He's a board-certified alternative medical practitioner, board-certified in integrative medicine, and registered naturopathic diplomat. He received a postdoctorate certification from Harvard Medical School as a former teacher of neurology and author of the college textbook, Understanding the Nervous System. Dr. Friedman is a contributing writer for many leading magazines, including U.S. News & World Report, Newsweek, Reader's Digest, Healthy Living, AARP Magazine, and Women's Day. He's been a guest on over 100 syndicated radio and television shows. Uh, Friedman's list of clients have included many top celebrities like John Travolta, Jenny McCarthy, Jamie Lee Curtis, Val Kilmer, Kilmer, excuse me, and Paul Newman. Um, wow, Paul Newman was such a food guy. As the health expert for Lifetime Television syndicated morning show and host of To Your Good Health Radio, Dr. Friedman helps millions with solutions to everyday health and wellness issues. Each show features interviews from world-renowned doctors, celebrities, sports figures, and New York Times bestselling authors who all share one common goal, finding a healthy lifestyle in the unhealthiest developed country in the world, the good old US of A. It is so wonderful to have you here on the show today, Dr. Friedman. My pleasure. It's great to be here. Yeah, welcome. So you've been all over the media lately. You've recently won um, uh, a major award. You're New York Times number one best-selling author. Um, you did a lot of work to get where you are today. 
you know? So what inspired you to write Food Sanity? Well, I wrote Food Sanity really after 18 years of the frustration that I endured as a syndicated TV and radio health expert. I've interviewed, I mean, hundreds of scientists and doctors and best-selling authors. And my goal was I wanted to bring optimal health to my audience. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. Instead, every guest would contradict their previous expert, leaving everybody, including me, more confused. I mean, you've seen it. you got proponents of the vegan and the paleo, Mediterranean, gluten-free, low-carb. Opinions are as different as night day. And, you know, I remember growing up believing oatmeal used to help balance blood sugar. And now we're told avoid grains. They spike your blood sugar and coffee used to be considered unhealthy. What are we told today? It prevents disease. Drink it all. Yeah. <laughs> eggs used to cause high cholesterol. Now eggs lower cholesterol because they have lecithin. And uh-huh. really, so after growing frustrating with all this conflicting opinions, I wrote Food Sanity. Uh-huh. It breaks through all the facts, fads, and fiction and finally answers the question, what are we supposed to be eating? Wow. And that's, that's a big question. So, um, so what's, what's the answer? <laughs> I know it's a lot more comfortable, very multi-layered. The million dollar question. Just to- <laughs> what do we eat? Well, here's what's, well, here's what's interesting. It, it, it's not, it, I didn't decide it. What I did is I created for the reader a common sense meets common science approach mm. so they can figure out the culinary conundrum. Unfortunately, we can't solely rely on scientific studies because mm-hmm. as you know, those are going to change sometimes weekly. Yeah. Plus so many of them are biased. And I spell that B-U-Y-A-S-E. ED, what that means, they're bought and paid for. Yeah. So I show the reader how to avoid these paid for unreliable scientific studies, tap into their instincts, mm-hmm. trust their gut instead of relying on what they hear in the media. And the third thing we do is we explore the biology of the body to see if we're designed to eat it. So mm-hmm. if you combine these three things, common science, common sense, and biology, you, the reader, basically has a foolproof blueprint that shows you what you should and shouldn't be eating. So it's kind of like a tricycle. Without three wheels, it can't function. You need all three to figure out the culinary conundrum. Wow. Wow. That's, that was just a whole lot of information. And uh, I, I like the creative way that you've put that all together. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand um, something that you mentioned, and that's the that we're supposed to trust science and that science is, you know, it's, it's, it's always right and all of that. Can you say a little bit more about um, about the science behind science? Uh, like food chemicals, for instance, and um, who, how that happens. Well, the big thing that I recommend in my book is follow the money. And we do that with every chapter, whether it be about the chemicals, the hormones, the antibiotics, the drugs, or specific food groups. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, you know, I I happen to love fish. Well, fish is the redheaded stepchild of food. Mm -hmm. FDA says don't go for it. It has mercury and we heard about the pollution and all my patients I ask about, hey, do you eat fish? Oh, no, I don't do fish. I don't want mercury poisoning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we can get into that. But the big thing is, is I followed the money. I found out why these these entities are anti-fish. It's because there's no money. Wild-caught fish has no antibiotics. There's no growth hormones. There's no sulfur drugs. There's no dyes. There's no money. It's caught wild and it's sold right to the store or the restaurant. Whereas cows, by the way, are the number one customer of Big Pharma for antibiotics. In fact, 80% of all antibiotics sold in America are sold to farm animals that primarily is cattle. So that's why milk is such 
such a, a big, oh, you need to drink your milk. That's why beef is such a big, oh, you right. need beef for strong muscles. It's all about the money. But if you look at the science, the science that says beef is the best thing since sliced bread, which now is bad too. But if you look at the science that shows that beef is good, it's paid for. It's biased. I could not find any unpaid for science. I found the opposite. Wow. And that's really scary, you know, when you think about it, um, because there's there again, we're, we're told that we should be trusting the science that's out there. I mean, is there is there science that you do trust? Uh, science will change. I don't trust any science. Of course, it's what we have today. So I get you the best that we have because you can't solely rely on it. Uh, you know, what I learned in college has changed drastically. And I'll give you one example. Um, I interviewed Dr. Earl Mendel on my show. He happened to have written the number one best-selling book of all time for vitamins called The Vitamin Bible. Mm-hmm. It was like 36, 36 million or so. It was like unbelievable. Nobody's hit these records of, of millions of book sales. Mm-hmm. It's what got me into vitamins when I was a when I was 15 years old, it was his book that brought me to where I am. We wouldn't be speaking if it wasn't for that book that wow. piqued my interest. So I had him on the show. I said, Dr. Mendel, your book was written, you know, 25, 30 years ago. How much of the science of nutrition that you talked about in that book is obsolete today? And guess what his answer was? All of it. 100% of everything in his book is wrong today. Wow. So when you ask me, what do I think about science? Back then when it came out, hey, it's all we had. Now we know vitamins is a whole new Mm -hmm. genre and different way of looking at it. So that's why in my book, I don't rely on science. I have a lot of good non-paid for science, but you've got to tap into biology. That's something that's not going to change next week. We know the biology and if we're designed to eat it, what it does to our colon, what it does to our chemistry. That's what I focus on. Okay. All right. So, um, well, I guess let's maybe just tackle the weight loss area and talk about the biology as it relates to weight loss. Um, Because there's so many different programs and diets and, you know, but people are still struggling all the time. Um, So what do we do wrong there? Yeah. Well, one of the most common questions I get asked by patients is, hey, doc, which diet works? I'm confused. There's so many of them. And I usually shock them with my answer. They all work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether it's eating for your blood type, your body type, your skin type, Atkins, Paleo, Zone, Keto, Nutrisystem, Weight Watchers. If you follow the program, you will experience weight loss. They wouldn't be around if you didn't lose weight. They wouldn't be around. Unfortunately, here's the problem. The results are usually just temporary. And studies show that people that start a diet in one year, 95% will gain it back and then some. So one of the main reasons why so many different diets initially work is this. They all have one thing in common. They have you they have you change your routine. So they have promoting different foods, different ways at different times. So whether it's eating great fruits or steak three times a day, changing your portion sizes or going vegan, if you mix up your daily routine, it's going to alter your metabolism, change your blood glucose levels, which in turn can lead to weight loss. The key is keeping it off. So what I did in food sanity, I looked at the word for what it really means. The word diet comes from the Greek word diatia which means way of living. That's the key to achieving permanent weight loss. So in Food Senate, I share how we need to get in touch with that true meaning of the word. Now, that does include eating habits. That's important, but that's just one area. The next one you need to do is avoid chemicals that can cause weight gain called obesogens and get deep restorative sleep. There it is. That's the magic tricycle, magic tricycle, the three wheels of losing weight. Okay. So, all right, you started to touch on obesogens. I think um, I, I've talked about it in the community 
quite a bit, but for people who don't know what that is, can you explain? Yeah. Well, one of the reasons so many diets fail is because they focus on one thing, food. Everyone I just mentioned, I gave you a bunch of examples, is about food. Now, food plays a key role. However, a major reason that people are overweight is from chemicals called obesogens. They're found inside your food, wrapped around your food, and even in the cookware you prepare your food on. And obesogens, they disrupt our hormonal balance, increase our appetite, and actually increase the number of fat cells. Mm -hmm. We used to think we were born with a certain number of fat cells, and that's what we care until we died. Studies now show these obesogens add new fat cells. Who wants that? We got enough of our own to worry about. So average person is exposed to up to 100 obesogens a day. And in my book, I list them all and which ones to watch out for. Can you uh, rattle off a few and what they're in? Yeah, the most common one you've heard of is BPA, bisphenol A. It's a synthetic estrogen primarily used to harden plastics. It's been shown to cause weight gain, insulin resistance, and even linked to cancer. And this BPA, it's, it's found in plastic foods and beverage containers, which we've heard about. But there's one place people don't realize that BPA is found most, and that's in these thermal paper items like cinema tickets, ATM, credit card receipts, even airline tickets. If you touch these things, you contaminate your hands. So when the cashier hands you that receipt don't touch it say please put it in the bag and if you do touch it wash your hands don't put this receipts in your wallet because you're contaminating your money and every time you touch your currency you're getting these chemicals in your body and i'll tell you what's sad is i saw a a neat story i was at um it was at trader joe's and this guy was shopping and he had everything organic non-gmo fruits vegetables you can tell this guy was a health nut he had a big pot belly And I wondered, how can somebody be eating so good have this pot belly? Well, they hand him the receipt. He takes it, puts it in his mouth, in his mouth, reaches in his wallet, takes the receipt out of his mouth, puts it in his his wallet. So he touched it with his hands, put it in his mouth, and contaminated his money with these chemicals that's making him fat. That could be the reason he has the pot belly. He's sure eating healthy. I saw what he had in his shopping cart. one thing could do it? That one thing is one of the worst things because it's called free BPA, meaning it's not encased in plastic. It's the worst. It's the easiest contaminated. The plastic has to be heated or cooled to really get it into the into the system. And that's why when you get these plastic water bottles, don't put it in your car in this hot summer because it's just going to leach this chemical and you're drinking. It's been linked okay. to cancer. So I tell people this, a quick way to know if your plastic has BPA, just look at the number on the recycling Mm -hmm. code in the center, if it's three or Mm -hmm. seven, stay away. That's BPA. If it has a one, two, or five, it's okay. So always look at your plastic containers, your beverage containers, and stay away from from a three and seven. One, two, and five. But but you just also mentioned though, if there's heat and it's a one, two, and five, can the heat get into, uh, make the BPA get into it? Or does that mean it's BPA free? Now the, 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 yeah, the the uh, one, the three and seven is BPA. The one, two, and five okay. is BPA free. However, I don't recommend putting plastic in microwave. Mm-hmm. I never do that because you're heating this plastic, and plastic is made out of other chemicals, so it might not be PPA, it might not be phthalates. So I always say ceramic or glass if you're going to microwave it. Don't microwave it, especially if you're getting these TV dinners that are made out of this plastic. Just if you're a TV dinner person, cut it out, put it on a plate. Yeah, okay. <laughs> don't throw it in the okay. microwave. And one other thing, we talk about Mm -hmm. phthalates. That's a group of compounds that are added to plastics to increase the flexibility. They can show up in meats, which are commonly packaged in these plastics, and also in milk because of the plastic tubing used to milk the cows. But here's a place most people don't realize phthalates are found. 
your shower curtain. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, your shower curtain could be the reason why you're not losing weight. You exercise, you eat right, and you're getting these chemicals that hit this hot plastic, gets in your mouth, your eyes, you're breathing it, and it can make you fat. So get a phthalate-free shower curtain. They're at Amazon, they're at Bed Bath & Beyond, not expensive. We've got to play detective. We can't be so trusted. Okay, and now you just touched on something I think a lot of people do not understand. The breathing in of something can make you fat. Go. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And, you know, even breathing in the microwave popcorn has been found to cause endocrine disrupting chemicals to get in your system. So if you're breathing in, you know, you smell that popcorn from the microwave, that's actually been known to be caused popcorn lung. People have died from that. Oh, my gosh. I hadn't even heard that one. It's actually called popcorn lung. Yes. It's called popcorn lung. They have a name for it. So, yes, you can get it from breathing it in. And it's also in fragrances. If you're spraying this, you know, Febreze, all these nice fragrances, that's a phthalate. So you want to look for natural citrus, things that are natural smelling. Don't spray these, you know, these fragrances. There's mm-hmm. so many of them. We just have to play detective. You know, it's so funny. I'll get experts on my show said, eat like a caveman. And some will say, no, 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 no. You got to eat like a gorilla. You got to be vegan. And I say, forget those two. Eat like your great grandparents. Mm. That's when life was clean. Mm-hmm. There was no chemicals, no pesticides, antibiotics. We didn't have BPAs. They lived healthier. They actually were thinner. In yeah. fact, if if people that are overweight and blame their DNA, I say, show me a picture of your great-great-grandma. If she was overweight, blame her. But I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. she was thin, 3% overweight in the year 2005 compared today at 70%. You can't blame your genes on why you can't fit into your genes. <laughs> if they had a better lifestyle. And if you look at old pictures, you can see these old black and white pictures. I challenge you to find this whole giant family portrait with somebody that was thin. Now, today, I challenge you to find one person that's thin yeah. in, the, in the picture. Oh my gosh, it's out of control today. Um, wow. Okay. So you said phthalates, you said um, uh, BPA. Um, I, I'd heard to um, BSP that there's another chemical in plastic that's similar to BPA. Is that a thing? Is that yeah, that's what you got to watch out just because there's going to be new ones that they, what's funny is once there's a label out there, if something's bad, they find a way to kind of hide it. They did this with MSG, yeah, monosodium right. glutamate. Everyone says, oh, stay away from MSG. And now there's like 12 oh, names for MSG know. and you don't yeah, know it's MSG. Exactly. It's uh, autolyzed <laughs> yeast extract or. <laughs> exactly. And you know, what's interesting, it's called PFOA. It's called perfluorooctanoic mm-hmm. acid. That's another obesogen. It's found in your nonstick yes. cookware and they've actually, they're changing it to do another nonstick chemical. And of course, there's no study showing that's dangerous. Yet, there was once upon a time we didn't know PFOAs were bad. So they change it up a little bit and go, well, it's not PFOAs, it's something else. And so the point is, you can't go from one extreme to the other. But the PFOAs, interesting, PLOS One Medical Journal recently published a study showing people with more PFOAs in their blood are associated with greater weight gain, especially women. So they're considered Mm -hmm. endocrine disruptors and linked to infertility and cancer. Mm -hmm. But here's what's interesting. They actually took blood of people that are overweight and found more of these chemicals in their blood compared to thin people. Is that not proof enough? (laughs) What kind of proof do we need? No kidding. No kidding. (laughs) And what bothers me is people eat healthy on these pots and pans, organic, (laughs) grass-fed, whatever it is you eat, and you're getting a mouthful of these chemicals that are making you fat even though you're eating healthy. And we just don't realize some of these things. We just got to play detective. So, so, you know, 
just for listeners, what he's referring to, PFOAs are coming from the nonstick cookware. So, um, you know, all the, the major brands, T-Fall and all of that. Um, so what what do you use in your kitchen? What's your cookware? I use tempered glass. I like that. It has a nonstick. It's really great. You can also use stainless mm-hmm. steel. You can use, uh, you know, cast iron. There's so many options. Ceramic works really good. There's just so many options. You don't have to get the one with the PFOAs. But I like the tempered glass. That does yeah, really good. Okay. All right. Uh, you know, it's from one chef to uh, a cook. I know you like to cook. I've seen a lot of your posts up on Instagram. Um, and Facebook and, and your uh-huh. food looks really good. So I'm like, oh, we could totally eat together. Right, thank you. <laughs> <Without> <laughs> That's <problem>. good And if you're bothering me and I want to get rid of you, I'm going to take a picture of Domino's yeah, pizza. Like, oh, yeah. he's out of here. I'm unfriending him. <laughs> I don't have anything to do with him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if it was that easy? It's like, oh, okay. So uh, I want to get rid of this vegan girl that's been the hovering. I'm going to put a big Steak on there, and she'll never speak to me again. It would work out that way, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm giving people some ideas. It's like, yep, gone. I break up is fine now. He's eating steak. Yeah, I'm not I'll kissing lose him. A guy anymore. in ten seconds. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> How to lose a guy with three meals? That'd be funny. <laughs> or light a cigarette in front of him. There's, there's that too. Exactly. Um, no, that might be a good thing if it happens at the end of the night. Right. <laughs> Could be a good reason for a cigarette. That's pretty funny. <laughs> so, um, okay, back to food sanity. Um, so, you researched uh, food groups, um, and uh, anyway, you consider uh, what's public enemy number one when it comes to food groups that people consume. Yeah, number one would definitely be milk. You know, despite the government industry propaganda about the health benefits of dairy products, there's so much unbiased science proving cow's milk is not healthy for humans. And, you know, we got those milk mustache ads saying it builds strong bones. But in fact, research shows... Yeah, but research shows that it makes bones brittle. It does the opposite of what we're taught. And I know you you and I were both taught as children, if you want to grow up big and strong, you need to drink milk. But here's the kicker. Children that drink milk get more chronic mm-hmm. ear infections, have more allergies, more likely to be overweight, and greater risk of diabetes. So it's not needed. And you know what? When I say don't drink milk, people look at me with this glaze in their eye. What are we supposed to do for calcium yeah, for like, strong bones? We've been so snowed that that's the only way you get calcium, <laughs> right? I really so. And you know what? It was follow the money. You know, it was the big propaganda. But, you know, people drink milk for its calcium, for strong bones. But here's the key. Before it goes to the grocery store, it's pasteurized, meaning it's been exposed mm-hmm. to extreme heat. Now, that's great because it destroys the bacteria, but it also renders a lot of the milk's calcium content insoluble. It's destroyed. So what if raw milk was available? Would that still give us strong calcium for the mm-hmm. bones? No, it still wouldn't give you enough magnesium that's needed for your body to absorb the calcium. Okay. And here's why. Calcium to magnesium ratio in cow's milk is 9 to 1, 90% calcium, 10% mm-hmm. magnesium. Most experts recommend now 1 to 1, 50-50. Guess where you can get the 50-50 ratio? Plants, the same place Spinach. cows get their calcium from plants. <laughs> Spinach and Ew. almonds and, 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 uh, and kale. You've also got um, squash. But here's what's interesting. People don't realize this. Cows don't produce calcium. Mm. They, they don't make cows. They get it from plants. So my opinion is this. Just yeah, cut out the middleman. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> go go to the plants because you know, cows don't produce it. So that's interesting. And then you know people look up the um, they say, well, what about the protein? Well, that's the big mm-hmm. reason that that milk's so bad for you. It's called casein, and casein from cow's milk is also used to make glue to hold together wood. Think of the cow logo on Elmer's glue, folks. Hello, <laughs> ching ching ching. You know what? And I've never problem, heard that. One. Yeah, if you would have swallowed. Yeah, but if you swallow a, this glue-like substance known as casein, what do you think happens? Your mm-hmm. body attacks it, and that could do, you know, produces histamines and allergies and asthma, sinus, ear infections, irritable yeah. bowel, the list goes on and on. And there was so much studies, but one I loved, it was the mm-hmm. World Health Organization. They linked consumption of casein with increased risk of heart disease, high cholesterol, and type 1 diabetes. But forget all the science. Forget all what I just said. Remember, let's tap yeah. into our instincts. What is casein for? It's to make a 100-pound baby calf grow into a 2,000-pound cow. So, hello. And, you know, common sense, you wouldn't use rocket fuel in a gas tank for your moped. No. Why would you put gargantuan-sized cow fuel inside the tiny human body? It makes no sense. And that's one of my favorite little memes I made, of course, is cow's milk is for baby cows. (laughs) You know, human milk is for baby humans. We don't continue drinking human milk go. after a certain age, you know? So, um, so yeah, I mean, to me, that's just common sense when you look at it, but. But, you know, but what's sad is, you know, the money is people are realizing this now and people are going with the almond milk and the cashew milk and the coconut milk, they're going because, you know, they want their cereal and they want to be able to cook cashew milk works great in recipes. Mm-hmm. So there's alternatives, but the dairy industry is now going, I don't know if you heard this, they're going after the word milk as a patent. Did you yeah, hear this? Say more, say more about this. <laughs> is that crazy? Yeah, they said that it's basically it's it's uh, it's it's not a lacquer it's 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 not a, a hormonal lacrate lacrimate mm-hmm. or lactation, so therefore it's not milk. So milk is this is quote in the bylaws lactation. So an almond doesn't lactate. <laughs> it can't use the name milk. So it's got to be called a, a like a, a almond like liquid almond or beverage. almond something. Just call it almond. That beverage or something. And it's so sad that they're trying to capitalize. And you know what? We need the name milk on that because people have to. No almond milk for cereal. They associate with milk and cereal, milk and you know milk yeah. and cookies, whatever it is. So they, I think that's really going to hurt the uh, the nut industry, the nut you milk do. industry. Can't even call it coconut milk anymore. It's going to be co- coconut beverage oh, or coconut that's liquid. Interesting. So and and it's because the milk industry is losing a lot of money to these this other industry. So there we go. Back to the money. Back to the money. They sure are. <clears throat> yeah, it's but all I think, about the you money. Know, so many people are getting sick today and there's and, and getting wise to why they're getting sick. So exactly. And you know, I, I think that's the one thing that I think really I know the, the paleo and then you got the vegan and plant based, they're very different, but they all tend to agree dairy's not good. So I think that's really what helped us. You've got the Democrats and the Republicans finally <laughs> yeah, agreeing on something. Exactly. <laughs> So, okay, well, good. I, I, milk, I'm, you know, we definitely agree in that realm. Um, I, and I know personally I had um, irritable bowel syndrome. And once I eliminated gluten and dairy from my diet, it's, it's regulated itself very quickly after years. Right. Oh, yeah. Because I was, you know, forced, literally forced to drink milk. I hated it as a child, but I was, I had to drink it, you know, because you had to have it for your bones and your, your calcium and all of that. And now I'm, I cut that all out in my 20s. And I'm in my 50s now, and I uh, have strong bone density tests, very strong bones. And I'm watching all my friends just, you know, they've got osteoporosis. They're on 
on all these crazy drugs um, and they've been drinking milk all, all along. So. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough to get these diehards yeah. away from, but you know, you know, you mentioned the food intolerances and stuff and you know, that's a, that's an interesting topic because food allergies affect about 3.5% mm -hmm. of the U S population, but 38% have these mm -hmm. food sensitivities. And, and many of these people don't actually ha have an allergy. It's just mm -hmm. a, an intolerance. And usually that's more yeah. of digestion. You know, these allergies, my mom's allergic oh, wow. to mustard. It, she can get de deathly oh, and die. Yeah. People that have peanut allergies mm -hmm. that you got to stay away from. But when you're looking at these food intolerances, you know, people are blaming food. It's really due to these chemicals mm -hmm. that are exposing uh, to people that wreak havoc on the intestinal flora and its ability to digest and mm -hmm. assimilate certain foods. Because some people, for example, gluten, how come 10, 15 years ago, people could do gluten mm -hmm. today? They can't. It's like, how come your mom could eat gluten and your grandparents? But can we really blame gluten or our ability to digest gluten has been destroyed because of these mm -hmm. chemicals, the Monsanto, the pesticides. And there's studies showing these pesticides actually cause leaky gut. They yeah. wreak havoc on our colon and gluten's a hard protein to digest. So now that we have these colons that are sick, of course, gluten is going to mess us up, but it's really not food. We can't blame food because you know what? Gluten's been eaten studies show for three and a half million years, mm -hmm. not 10,000. That's been debunked wow. three and a half million years. And they actually had a study last week that showed 14,000 years ago, they found bread. Oh, it was wow. toast. So we've been eating bread, at least they know, for 14,000 years, not 10,000 like the paleo people. So mm -hmm. if you really look at science and it says, you know something, yes, gluten does bother a lot of people, but is it mm -hmm. gluten to blame or is it these chemicals that have messed up our ability to absorb yeah, and, and use it and eat it? This brings up a, a point that I think a lot of people don't understand is how much glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup, which is an herbicide, which means it kills weeds around plants, um, is used in uh, in uh, wheat crops in order to get them, they, they spray it, they douse the crops in order to get them to ripen faster so that they can all go to, to uh, harvest at the same time. Because not every, not every plant exactly. ripens at and the you same know, time. <laughs> so. Exactly. And, you know, you bring up a good point that it's designed to kill pests, it's designed mm -hmm. to kill bugs, but you know what? When we ingest it, it kills our mm -hmm. bugs, the good bugs in our in our colon. These microbiomes mm -hmm. are getting destroyed, and that's what's making it. And you know what? You can blame gluten and get off gluten, but in a few years, it's going to be another food that's going to be get off, and there's going to be books on that you can't avoid blank, and right. it's don't blame the food. The reason we can't we can't digest blank is not because blank is bad. Whatever that food's yeah. going to be in the next two, three years, it won't be gluten. It'll be the next big book on anti-blank, mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know, who knows what it'll be. But my view is this, you know, it, it's, you know, we, we can play the blame game of food or we can just eat clean, eat pure, eat chemical free and, you know, and, and find out what bothers you at that point, because there's certain foods that, yeah, will wreak havoc on you. But as you, as, as you know, people with gluten, the pizza used to not bother people 10 years ago. Now you eat a pizza, uh -huh. you feel like crap. It's like yeah. the worst thing you could eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, anyway, these are all really good points. I mean, there's a lot of meat in this discussion, so to speak. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of meat, yeah, so to speak. Um, you say something really interesting in your book. Um, there's a section on pork in your book, which I personally avoid at this point in my life. Um, and you mentioned how pigs don't sweat and how if a snake bites a pig, the snake is more likely to die. Why is this significant when it comes yes. to diet? 
Well, interesting. You know, there's that old saying out there, oh, it was so hot I was sweating like a pig. Well, that couldn't be further from the truth because pigs don't sweat. And that's why they wallow in the mud. People think they're dirty animals. They're not. They're just trying to stay cool. And if they're actually in the wild, they find water. If they're not, they find mud. They just want to cool down. But problem is, because they don't sweat, why is that significant? It can lead to toxins remaining inside their body and ultimately ingested by the humans that eat them. And that's why sometimes they're so toxic that if a rattlesnake bites a pig, this snake is more likely to die than the pig. But knowing that, you know, I'm not a fan of eating pork either, but if it's something you choose to eat, go for the leanest, less fattening and healthiest option, which would be the pork loin. The center portion sold is the center loin is the best option with the second best choice being the tenderloin. And of course, make sure it's grass fed or free range. Now you notice, I just gave you a tip to eat pork. I don't like pork. I'm anti-pork, but in my book, it's not my way of the highway. I give all the evidence of pork. We see if the biology was supposed to design it. And I said, if at reading this chapter, you still want pork, here's the way to go for it. So it's not the beat you over the brow. So I still show people how to eat these foods, even if they're not healthy. The biology shows we're not supposed to eat them. And you know, the thing about pork, which I don't share often because it grosses people out, they have asked cannibals, what do humans taste like? And they say pork. Because pork is the most similar to human flesh. In fact, this is why we can use pig particles in our body. We have mitral valve replacements, pig particles. Our body accepts it. So knowing that, I think we just lost some pork eaters. <laughs> Get some flava beans and have, you the, uh, <laughs> have, the, have the little cannibal, cannibal lecture. Oh, that's pretty funny. Um, okay. So, well, that's, that's really interesting interesting stuff on pork. So, um, uh, oh, okay. So paleo, another, since we're on the meat subject, um, paleo advocates are always saying that we should eat beef, um, but you say that we should, it should be avoided. Why do you say that? Well, the big thing about beef is, you know, people feel they need to eat the red meat for protein. And the truth is you don't need red meat to have a well-balanced diet. In fact, research shows healthy people around the world that live to be over 100 eat very little, if any, red meat. And I research people that live to be 100, 110, 105, 120. Live by example. What did they eat? Very little, if any, red meat. And we're taught as children that beef is needed for strong muscles. Yet, how do you explain all these professional athletes and gold Medal Olympics mm -hmm. winners that are vegetarians. So, you know, it's kind of like the same thing with, with the beef. The, the paleo thing, they say stay away from the milk that's in a cow, but go ahead and eat the cow. That just doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Same animal, same chemistry. But interesting, four years ago, the National Academy of Sciences shared a major discovery of a unique molecule. It's a sugar molecule called NEU5GC, which is found in abundance in cows, but it's not in humans. And when we eat this sugar, it triggers an immune response that our body attacks. And this can lead to chronic inflammation, which has been linked to colon cancer. Among all victims of cancer, colon cancer is the second leading cause of death. And ready? John Hopkins, Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, the World Health Organization, you name it, every single entity I just named says the more red meat you eat, the more likely you are to get colon cancer. They just didn't know why. Now they know it's this molecule that's been found in colon cancer. Now they once upon a time knew that cigarettes were bad for you. They caused lung cancer, but they didn't know why. Then science said, wait a minute, it's the nicotine. We found it. Guess what, folks? They found this molecule. It's the reason it's linked to 
colon cancer. Now, also interesting, there's a uh, this NEU5GC inflammatory sugar is just one atom different from a sugar molecule that lines our blood vessels called the NEU5AC. We share this molecule with chickens and fish so we can eat these foods with no inflammatory reaction. But when we eat red meat, our immune system can't tell the difference so our body ends up attacking our own blood vessels. And this explains research shows why red meat increases heart disease. So <clears throat> forget the science. All right, so there's a science, right? Let's okay. go common sense, okay? Common right. sense, okay? Uh, we don't have the teeth to digest big meat, correct? We bite it. We have teeth like chimpanzees, which are mainly mm -hmm. fruit and vegetable eaters. Fish takes 30 minutes to digest. Chicken takes 90 minutes, but red meat takes up to five hours. Okay. We just don't have the enzymes. The number one reason people get the Heimlich maneuver for choking is because a piece of undigested red meat has gotten stuck on the way down the esophagus. Humans just physically aren't designed to have a diet that's high in red meat, right? You chew and you chew and you, we don't break it down. If a lion be, chews red meat, it breaks down and digests in his mouth. We don't have that ability. Right. So remember I said, look at biology, forget the science, because you can cherry pick science all you want. Oh, well, I have this study showing that meat's right. good. Forget all that. Look at our teeth. Hands, we're finger pickers. We pick for picking five, ten, five, uh, five fingers on each hand for picking vegetables and fruit. We weren't really created to be carnivores. Now, that said, at the end of the chapter, I said, hey, if you want to eat meat after eating this chapter, go with USDA certified organic, stay away from the hormones, stay from the antibiotics, but do yeah. meat occasionally. If you do meet occasionally one or two times a month instead of three times a day, like these diets are having oh, bacon gosh. for breakfast and hamburger yeah. and Steak for dinner. I'm telling you, if you, this is your diet, I have one word for you, folks. Listen to the word because you're going to hear it one day. Ready? It's clear. That's what you're going to hear the cardiologist say when he puts the paddles on you. Clear. Um, <laughs> ah. Um, wow. Wow. That's really interesting information. And that makes sense, though. It really does. I'm in that camp of I eat maybe once or twice a month beef. Um, or lamb. Yeah, Actually, and really that's like fine. Lamb. And here's the thing I told I, yeah, and yeah, that's better for you. That's better. Bison is actually the best. It doesn't have that molecule, and they don't inject it with hormones. It doesn't have antibiotics, okay. so you're actually safer by eating bison. That's the best beef if you want to go with beef. Get a bison okay. burger instead of a hamburger, and that's the that's the way. But you're doing the right thing. It's it's. I, I live by what's called a flexitarian diet. It's the marriage between flexible and vegetarian. It's 80-20, 80% plant-based, 20% yeah. animal. And again, that animal, I just stay away from the beef. I don't eat pork, and I eat the rest as long as it's coarse is back to nature as pure as you can get it. That is the diet the most healthiest people around the world okay. eat, a flexitarian diet. They eat a little bit of animal protein and a lot of fruits and vegetables, okay. legumes and, and grains. Um, okay, so you share some startling information on vitamins and how some of them can contribute to the cause of disease instead of its prevention. So how do we choose the best sources for vitamins? Yeah. You know, interesting. People think taking vitamins comes without side effects and so much research proves this isn't true. And, and in my book, I talk about a few. There's one that's the British Medical Journal showed that calcium supplements increase the risk of heart attacks mm -hmm. by 30%. Johns Hopkins research found vitamin E supplements increase a person's risk of dying from all causes. And I love the one I read from Mount Sinai School of Medicine showing taking vitamin C supplements causes genetic damage to your genes and offspring. Now, are we talking about 
whole food natural supplements? No, we are talking about what's created by chemists in a laboratory. And what kind of laboratory? Pharmaceutical labs. See, the pharmaceutical industry owns all of the major vitamin companies on the market. Bear Healthcare owns One A Day and Flintstone Chewables. Theragram M is manufactured by Bristol Mouse Squibb. Centrum, yeah, it's the largest pharmaceutical company, Pfizer. So just like taking you know, these drugs that they make, there's nothing natural in these vitamin supplements. So in my book, Food Sanity, I share how many of these vitamins are used with toxic chemicals that are used to make antibiotics, used to make antifungal medications, benzene, acetate, petroleum esters. It's crazy. So how do you choose? It's called the ABCs, absorption, balance, and certification. So what you want to do is you want to look at absorption. That's Make sure it's a whole food supplement. So the best way to ensure, ensure that is <clears throat> no waxes or fillers or binders and shellac coating. Make sure it's veggie-based or chewable. Avoid pills that have gelatin. You know why? It's created by boiling the skin and tendons and ligaments of animals. So these animals, maybe they were given antibiotics or eating foods that have pesticides and you're eating that because mm. you're getting that gelatin. So look for that. But here's the key. Look for sources that have uh, whole foods like fruit, extract, plant, stem, okay. root, seed. This tells you the source is naturally derived. B is balanced. Make sure it's balanced. It's not mega dosed. It's natural. You don't have to. With nature, it's about a little goes a long way. It doesn't have to be five, ten thousand. 10,000. And then the certification is C. Make sure you see GMP, which means it's past stringent good manufacturing practices. So you know what's in the bottle is what's on the label because it's not always true. In fact, GNC was sued because 21 of their vitamin supplements actually didn't have inside what they said it was on the label. Wow. Okay. That's great. Great. So you want to make sure it's certified. Uh, And basically, you know, what, what I'm really hearing you saying is the closer to the earth you can eat food, period, whether it be from your vitamin supplements or just, you know, what's on your plate, then the better off you're going to be. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So here's the thing. It's, you know, we chew our food. Why wouldn't we chew our nutrition? Mm-hmm. So I believe in chewable nutrition. I'm the CEO of a, of a company that's a whole okay. food chewable. So I think that's it. And if not, you want to go with something called mega food. I like them. They have uh, supplements of vitamin D. If you want your D, your B complex. But when you look on the back, you see fruits and vegetables and words you recognize. If you look on the back of a bottle and see phenylhalipropothalaminamide, <laughs> probably not something from nature. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a mouthful you don't want. <laughs> so, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so um, I think I know the answer to this question, but this is a great question that, that I think people need to hear. Is, um, GMO foods, which genetically modified organisms, there's a lot of discussion about those these, these days. And in uh, Food Sanity, you share a little-known secret about how we can detect if our produce is genetically modified. Yeah, you know, interesting you know, epidemiological patterns show a rise in many diseases that are correlated with the increased prevalence of GMOs on the market. And one health concern for ingesting GMOs is the negative effect this has on the immune system. And there was a New England Journal of Medicine study that showed research that shows increased allergic reaction to nuts after we're exposed to GMI soy. Now that's people. And of course, then you got the animal studies showing infertility, liver, kidney cancer, GI dysfunction. So it's something you want to stay away from. It's called Frankenstein. Foods, but in the United States, 70% of the food sold at the grocery store contain GMOs. Whereas if you look at countries, you know, 64 countries worldwide have put restrictions on GMOs, 
not the United States. So you have to play detective. Don't trust the labels. What you do is you can look at the PLU code. That stands for price lookup code. It's a sticker on your produce. And if you see that five-digit code starting with an eight, it's GMO. If it starts with a nine, it's organic. So an easy way to remember that is that's eight fine. isn't great, but nine is fine. <laughs> and then there's the uh, yeah, four-digit that's my say. That start with a four, um, and those are also um, uh, conventionally farmed. Yeah. Conventionally, yeah, that would be conventional. And again, that's something. Yeah, you you don't know what you're getting there. So again, consider that as the as the no. So you want to do eight isn't great. Nine is fine. So always look for the nine. Then you know it's organic. Now, do you need everything <laughs> organic? People ask me that, and my view is this. If you can get your fingernail and puncture the skin of your fruit or vegetable, more than likely pesticides getting in, make sure those are organic. Apples, pears, strawberries, blueberries, grapes. If it's a thick skin item like a coconut, pineapple, eggplant, or avocado, not such a concern. You can save your money and and not buy organic. Wow, this has been an awesome discussion. Um, uh, And you're just a wellspring of information, which is fantastic. (laughs) So can't wait to share this one. Um, But you have for... um, uh, for the community, you've got a giveaway. It's a uh, recipe book. Can you tell us about how to get that and a little bit about it? Sure. Yeah. When I wrote Food Sanity, it was such a thick book. I ran out of room for recipes. You know, I told people how to how to eat well and and how to what ingredients to avoid and to use. And I didn't have room for recipes. I have a few of them in the book. So what I did is I created a ninety-two page ebook that has uh, thirty recipes: delicious breakfast, lunch, dinner, you name it, snacks that are healthy. Food doesn't have to be bad. You don't have to scrimp. I show you how to just find the right ingredients instead of white sugar. We show you how to use a good sugar instead of white salt. I show you how to stuff like black Hawaiian salt, which is great yeah. for you. You want good salt. That's another myth is the salt's bad for you. Guess Gotta what? We're it. made out of 70% salt. <laughs> How can salt it. be bad for humans? We're made out of salt, but I, but it's the right kind. So that's what like this recipe book. So you can get that at foodsanity.com and you can download the PDF of that. And then you have a chance there to get the book. So you kind of understand it there. It's a compilation book. So you really need both, but at least you've got the recipes in there. It's a 92 page ebook okay, free fantastic. at foodsanity.com. Dr. Dr. David Friedman, thank you so much for being on the show. It means so much to me to have you here. And I know it's going to mean a lot to the people that they get to hear uh, your all your hard work <laughs> out there in the world. So yeah, thank you. And thank uh, you listeners pleasure. for listening to Get Well Soon podcast series. And uh, please uh, take your time to uh, leave a review on iTunes for us and share this with as many people as you think may benefit. And uh, again, thank you for listening. I hope this information will help you all get well soon. For more information, go to meghayworth.com to sign up for our email list, get your free copy of five anti-inflammatory on-the-go lunch recipes, and access to our private Facebook community. Thank you so much for listening.